for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working itself through love. You are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let us pray. Father Lord, thank you so much for uh, your word. Uh, Thank you that uh, you uh, sent your son to die on the cross for us. Thank you that uh, we can uh, hear and listen and you can open our understanding. Please teach us uh, that we may be changed to be more like you. I pray for Tom and the kids, uh, that Lord, they will be focused and that you will speak to them as well. I pray for Rob as he comes, that you will use him uh, as an instrument uh, for proclaiming your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Welcome. Um, let me add my welcome to George's. Uh, my name's Rob. Uh, I'm the leader of the church. It's wonderful to have you here with us uh, this morning, uh, afternoon, sorry. Um, and trust that you hear God speaking to you through his word. And we want to encourage you um, to, to, to hear his word today. Um, so um, please do stick around afterwards. We've got some refreshments at the back there. We'd love to get to know you better. Um, We are returning to a series uh, in Galatians, and that's why we had our reading from chapter 5. It's been about a month since we've been in Galatians uh, because of Easter, and we had a little break. We looked at some of the Gospels uh, for Easter. Um, So we're back in chapter 5, so you can tell that we've gone quite a a way through the letter already. uh, But you can find any of that um, teaching uh, from the letter on our website, uh, which uh, you can find quite easily uh, online. So... Um, I thought because it, we were coming back to it, um, it would be good to have a, a little recap of some of the things of what we've seen that Paul has said about these people, because he is writing a letter to them, um, so it's worth us kind of thinking through who they are um, and why Paul is writing this letter. Um, but why don't I pray for us again, and then we'll get um, into this. Father God, please help us by your spirit to hear you speak to us today. Pray that you would show us who we are and who you are. We pray that we would be changed to become more like your son Jesus, who served in 
instead of being served. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we are going to look back at what Galatians has shown us already. Um, I'm going to look at that through three simple headings. And you can actually find those headings in verse 1 of chapter 5. Um, so if you look at verse 1 of chapter 5, you can see that it's not something that I'm making up, um, but we will look back at some other verses as well. But let's just read verse 1 of chapter 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For freedom, Christ has set us, Paul, and the people he's writing to, free. Um, So we're going to look at it under three headings. The first one is, um, freedom from what? Christ has set us free, free from what? Now, as Christians, uh, we often just jump at the first thing that we say, okay, well, I know the answer to this question. It must be this, or it must be that. that. But actually, it's sometimes helpful to look at the letter that verse is found in, because Paul has been talking about what they have been set free from. Um, So we're going to just look at one verse together. Um, Three, it should come up on the screen, uh, but if you like to look down, it's also three Uh, Chapter 3, verse 13, actually, if you can look at 3, verse 13. It says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So, the answer to that question, free from what? Christ has set us free from what is the curse of the law? The law being God's law. God's law which is perfect, and when we break God's law, there is a curse to it. And that curse is death. And it says that these guys that Paul is writing to have been set free from the curse of the law. Free from that death because Christ died in their place. He didn't naturally come under the curse of the law, but he placed himself under the curse of the law. As if he was someone who broke the law so that they could walk free. So free from what? Um, In a nutshell, they've been set free from sin and its consequences before a holy God. That's what they've been set free from. Whatever they were doing before, they've been set free from sin and its consequences. And sin is saying no to God and going our own way and wanting to do our things our, our own way. And we've all done that, haven't we? We've all thought our way's best and I don't need to listen to what God has to say about it, even though he's the one that created me. It's quite arrogant, isn't it? But that's what we do. The consequences of that, the Bible tells us, is death. And that's the curse that is mentioned in that passage. Death in this life and then an eternal death, a judgment, God's judgment in hell. How were they set free from this? Well, by Christ. It says that, doesn't it? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. In that verse 1 it says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Christ has done it. That's Jesus. He was born under the law and took on the curse of sin, death. That's why he died, and that's what we've been thinking about these Easter weeks, isn't it? Christ died for sin. But within that verse as well, did you notice, it doesn't start that way. It starts, it is for freedom that Christ sets us free. So this is the point that Paul is making here. I know we've got two freedoms here. We've got the Christ setting us free for freedom. 
So don't get confused. Uh, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Why is Paul making that point? And what does he mean by freedom? Well, he must mean free not to go back to thinking that we need to earn our salvation. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And the people that he's writing to will see um, there's a real, very real danger that they might go towards that way of thinking. There's something that I need to do to prove myself to God. It's amazing, isn't it, how you can first realize there was nothing that you could do to be right with God. And then after time, you can think, oh, I still should really prove to God how, how much he deserves to save me. I deserve to be saved. But that's what they were in, in danger of doing. Um, let's have a look at that. Um, verse 2. Um, And we'll read all the way down to verse 12. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, so circumcision is the thing that other people are pushing for, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would go the whole way. That's very strong language, isn't it? Did you think you'd come to church today and hear someone in the Bible talking about castration or people emasculating themselves? No, you'd go, bet you probably didn't. But that's in the Bible. Paul's amazingly strong at this. He says, guys, he's he's like the dad. The dad who's waiting for his uh, daughter, teenage daughter, to come home. And she's late. She's not turned up on the time she says she's going to be doing it. What, what's that dad doing? Is he sitting, sitting back watching the, watching the football, not, not a care in the world? No. He's anxiously concerned. Gut-wrenching concern for these Christians who are being told the wrong thing that they need circumcision. Why are they being told that? Well, there's some Jewish guys, and they're non-Jews. They're they're Gentiles who have become believers. And the Jewish guys are saying, you're required by the Lord to do this. And until you do it, you're not really, really true children of God. You're not truly sons of Abraham. You're not in God's kingdom. You're not saved. Now, I don't need to go into all the gory details about circumcision, but you need a tiny little bit of skin and you need a knife. Yeah? And if you, these, these Galatian Christians, these, these new, new believers, practically speaking, all they're going to lose is a tiny little bit of skin. Tiny, tiny little bit of skin. But actually, they're set to lose a lot more than that. And Paul's really concerned that they would lose what they already have. That's why he says, in verse 4, you are severed, Cut off. Same language we'd use of the skin, isn't it? Um, you are cut off, not just 
a bit of skin, but from Christ. You don't want to be cut off from Christ. This way of thinking, this, this way of thinking that we need to do something to earn salvation is to be cut off from Christ, cut off from grace. You can't experience God's grace. You can't receive God's grace if you think that there's something that you do to warrant it or, or to deserve it. In fact, Paul says, if you want to keep that little bit of the law, which was in the Bible, by the way, circumcision was in the Bible, in the Old Testament, if you want to keep just one tiny bit of the law, you're going to have to keep the whole lot. So don't just do the circumcision thing. If you want to do a part, you need to do the whole lot. And who here has kept the whole of God's law? None of us. Not because we're uncircumcised, gents. We should praise God for that. Um, but not because we're uncircumcised, but because we're sinners. We've broken God's law. So you're not going to get right with God through the law. Set free by Christ, remember. Christ has set you free from sin, his consequences, death, hell, judgment. Set free for freedom. I don't know if you realize if you're a Christian here today, you are wonderfully free. Truly free. Free from guilt, condemnation. Free from what everyone else thinks of you. Free. You don't have to do things anymore to prove yourself. You don't have to get up in front of loads of people at church and speak about the Bible to prove yourself. You don't have to come to church to prove yourself. You're free. And I just want to say that because I think we need that to sink in a bit as Christians. We're we're very busy. We do a lot of stuff. And often that stuff that we do is actually forgetting the fact that we're free. We don't need to prove ourselves because of what Christ has done for us. And that's a wonderfully liberating thing, isn't it? That's the word, why we have that word, liber, liberating. It means free. <laughs> it's liberating. You're free. If you're from a, uh, if you've been around some churches which are preaching something different, all this, do this, do this, do this, do this, you can't be right with God unless you do this, then you need to hear this. You need to know the gospel, the true gospel, is wonderfully liberating. It's freeing. Don't prove yourself anymore. Christ has died for you. You are a child of God and nothing will change that. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And that's why he says, stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't get enslaved again. It's interesting, isn't it, that slavery is exactly how we referred to their state before they were Christians, before they were believers. 4 verse 8, chapter 4 verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, as in you were utter pagans, knew nothing of the Bible, nothing of the Jews, nothing of God's promises. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. It's quite a shocking thing for Paul to say that what they would go back to, which is rules, to earn their salvation, even godly rules, is is akin, the same thing, 
as the idolatry that they were in before. It's quite striking, isn't it? The, the people who were trying to do the right thing by God's law, but really it's because they're doing it for their own righteousness, are the same as the idolatry, the pagan worship, because it's doing something that God hasn't, isn't actually pleased with at the end of the day. Because it doesn't actually uh, point to him. It doesn't actually give him the glory. It doesn't point to his son Jesus. So it's very serious. And he doesn't want them to. He's like, the, again, the anxious dad. Are they, are they here yet? Are they here yet? Are they here yet? I need to know they're going to be all right. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Freedom from, we've looked at that, sin, death, hell, judgment. Freedom for freedom, which is the second thing. And then freedom to do what? This is the Christian life, isn't it? What we've looked at is who the Christian is. They're someone who has been set free by Christ for freedom. Not going back to rules to prove themselves. But for what? To do what? What's the Christian life? Well, this is something we're going to be exploring a bit more in the next couple of weeks. Um, you might know Galatians. You might particularly know Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 16. Um, does anyone know the fruit of the Spirit? I, I actually don't know them off by heart. So you can, you, can, you can definitely learn them. There's probably a song for that, isn't there? There's five or six different songs that you can learn from. But we often rip out the kind of fruit of the Spirit, don't we? You sort of think, okay, Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You know, they're, they're, just, they're just nice. They're good things. But it's in the context of here, it's about the spirit that Christians alone have been given. The fruits of the spirit. You can't, you can't do this. You won't do this unless God has poured the spirit of his son into your heart. Because you know, if you're not changed... You can do what you like. You can pretend. You can try and be more kind, but that ain't going to work. These are, these are spiritual fruits. They're the Holy Spirit, God's fruits in someone's life. Um, so what is it that Christian freedom looks like? Um, well, we're just literally going to look at verse 13 because I didn't want to read too much, okay? But just this verse, you can remember verse 13. You were called... For you are called to freedom, brothers. We've done that bit. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What is the Christian freedom? What's distinctive about it? What does it look like? From this verse? Love. Love for who? For others. If you think think to how we use the word freedom in, in the world, you know, think just think of some examples of that. Talking about freedom of uh, you know from debt or freedom uh, in terms of uh, warring countries or under kind of another country's power, you know, being liberated from that. It's all freedom for self, isn't it? And we really we really experience this in the West, don't we? You can't take away my freedoms. 
What does that mean? I have the right to say what I want, to do what I want, and it's all about me. This is very, very different, isn't it? The Christian freedom is, is completely different. It's the exact opposite of that. Because I tell you what, that freedom was what has got us into the mess in the first place. With sin. And this is the freedom that God, when he pours his spirit into our hearts. By the way, it's the spirit of his son. And what do, who was Jesus? Well, he was the most free being in the universe. The eternal son of God who came down to earth and served He used all his power, all his glory to serve, to get on his knees and wash feet, to die for his friends. And it's wonderful, isn't it, that the freedom that God saves us into is serving others. And I don't know if you feel like that as a Christian. Sometimes we sort of say, I'm on the serving team, I'm on the, oh, I'm on this team, I'm doing that today. And it's like, I do that when I do the dishwasher. I honestly do. Sometimes when I do the dishwasher, I'm like, oh, if only people with you know how many times I have to do this dishwasher. It's probably the first time in three weeks I've done it. You know, filling the dishwasher, I'm feeling self-pity, begrudging, I'll do it, but I don't really want to do it. No, we're wonderfully free as Christians to live a new life, to live not under the slavery of living for myself, because that is slavery but to live for others. And how wonderful it is to be part of a group of people, a family, where everyone is doing that. Because you are wonderfully served. Way more than you would be if you were serving yourself. And the spirit work in us, believers, is going to make us look more like Jesus, his son. And Jesus was the one who served. And that's why it says... You were called to freedom, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, because the flesh is still very much there all the time, saying, me, 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 do, do this for me, what about me? And yet, use your freedom through love to serve one another. Walk in that freedom. And notice in verse 16, it says, I say, walk by the Spirit. He doesn't have to say, what I really need to tell you, Christian, is obey the law and do the law. He doesn't say that. He actually says in verse 14, you, have, you are fulfilling the law by the very thing that the Spirit is getting you to do. You are fulfilling the law already. The whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. So if, if people are saying you're not fulfilling the law, they're wrong, because the Spirit is fulfilling the law, which is this love that you now have for God and for others. It's a wonderfully changed life. And he doesn't have to say, do this, and and that's what I need to tell you, but he just simply says in verse 16, I say, walk by the Spirit, as in, walk in the new life that you have been one for. that's, That's it, that's it, isn't it? You are free, you've been set free from sin, for freedom, not guilt, not slavery, free to serve one another. And so just walk in it. Just walk with the Spirit day by day. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will will put sin to death. Because sin is that thing where we say, it's all about me, isn't it? The, 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 The deceit of sin is actually to say, you need this for you. 
you do this, you, you need to have that thing that God hasn't given you. And it's entirely a me-centered thing. So if you can start to spot where Satan is saying, do, do this for yourself, do this for me, then that will help you to guard yourself against sin. You will be changed. You are changed. And therefore you'll start to look more and more Well, if you're a Christian, this is true of you. You can say, I've been set free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm truly free. And I'm free now to live for Christ and his people. What freedom. What freedom. Compared to what I had before, what freedom to walk and live for others and for Christ. That is wonderful freedom. And all we need to say is help me to walk in it. Help me to do this more, Lord. Help me. I need your help. Um, if, you're, if you're not a Christian and you're listening into this, I hope there's something in your heart that sort of just wants this. But the truth is you're not free. You're a slave to sin. You can't stop yourself sinning. You have to sin because the spirit is not in you. There is no power within you to change your sinful ways. So you're not free. You need Christ. Christ can set you free. Verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. You are free. Come to him for freedom. Freedom from sin and its consequences. Freedom from death. Freedom from simple isn't it come to Christ for freedom from those things because that's what he gives you that's why he's won for you so come to him um, some people here might be listening in and they might be thinking okay what do we hear in church today um, we heard that we should love others it is amazing isn't it having looked at the bible and seeing how God does this for us what he does in us that we would take away just the thing of, this is what I must do. I must love others. And I just want to say, I, I really would not want you to go away thinking that. Thinking that the sermon today has been about, uh, I just need to take verse 14. I just need to love my neighbor. That's what God's telling me to do. He didn't need to say all the rest of it. He could have just said verse 14, love your neighbor, do it. Get on and do it. It's that will actually have no effect in the long run. Um, if you're, anyone in gardening? No? Trees, fruit picking. What happens when you have uh, a dead tree, but you just pick up an apple off the floor and you try and nail it to the tree or staple it to the tree? What happens to that apple? You come back a few days later, rotten, fallen on the floor. It, we know, don't we, that you can't... <laughs> in or you can't take good behavior the fruits of the spirit godliness and just put it on yourself on the outside something has to happen on the inside it has to come from the spirit it's the fruits of the spirit so if you are someone who would just tend to read the bible as um this is what i must do this is what i must do okay i'll come back next week 
I'll hear another bit of God's law and I'll go away and I'll keep that bit of God's law or I'll at least try to. And then I'll go back the next week and I'll hear another bit of God's law and I'll try to keep that bit of God's law. You can't do it. You won't do it. In fact, the only thing that will fulfill the law is Christ. In you, the spirit that he gives to you. Um, So again, give up. Give up that battle. Give up that fight. Give up that um, desire to, to, to do it yourself and come to Christ and, and see that that is wonderful freedom, joyful freedom. We can all serve, can't we, but miserably, begrudgingly, that, that actually isn't the Spirit's work. The Spirit's work is a joyful, free liberated I'm serving others I'm serving Christ and we can pray and ask him to continue to do that because he has given us his spirit who brings that about let's pray Father God thank you that we are um, that we can be free from sin thank you that we can be have freedom not need to prove ourselves because you have died for us sent your son to die for us and he has lived the perfect life we couldn't live thank you that he's given us your spirit uh, to bring about this change in us to make us more like him and father we 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 wonder at that we are amazed that we can enjoy that kind of freedom given what we were given what we are and thank you so much what you do uh, through your spirit in our lives Uh, we pray that we would be humbly dependent on you we'd be uh, repenting of sin and turning from sin when we see that that flesh rearing its ugly head again we pray that we would be coming to you and asking you to put that to death um, so that we might be more free to, to serve and to love you and to grow in that we pray in Jesus name